You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast episode 271, brought to you by C2E2, audible.com. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash iFanboy for your free audiobook today, and iFanboy listeners like you. Welcome to iFanboy.com's Pick of the Week podcast, episode 271. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. Well, hello, Connor. And Josh Flanagan. Sup? We three are iFanboy.com. We like comics. We read comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us, they pick the best one. They write about it on the website. They talk about the podcast as well as other books of the week, other topics of interest, emails, voicemails, all kinds of fun stuff. So come along on this joyous occasion, won't you? Come with us. <laughs> it's a fantastic voyage is what it is. Before we get to the show, a quick reminder and a warning. It's a review show. We're going to talk about the books of the week. There'll be spoilers. There's a couple of big things that happened this week. We'll definitely be spoiling them. So if you didn't read your books, come back later. It'll be more fun for everyone. Please tell me you're talking about the big things that happened in Star Trek Infestation. There's a couple of things that happened. Oh, I can't wait. We'll get to I that can't soon. Wait. Soon enough. Hold your horses, Ron. Before that, we're going to get to Josh's pick of the week, which was... Night and Squire number five, which you've already turned into an afterthought. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean I, to. I'd like to notice how quickly I get undercut. No, no, <laughs> Last no. time I did Hellblazer, it was just like, yeah, so Josh, talk for ten minutes. We're going to go make coffee. No. That's it was a coffee. I read a magazine. <laughs> you don't want to know what I did. <laughs> you jerked off? <laughs> oh, come on. It's better unsaid. See, no, that, well, I took it a different... Anyway, pick of the week was Night and Squire number five, and... You know, this was one of those things where I, I actually read a lot of good books. There was a lot of things that I Great gave. Week. Great week. Yeah, it was. I gave a lot of fives to things, and like, I had to really think about what I wanted to be the pick of the week. And this is almost, this issue was fantastic, but it, but it was amplified by the fact that it just fits so well in the scope of the miniseries so far. It's a six-issue miniseries. These are spinoff characters from Grant Morrison's run. I, I still don't know. Like, Are they old characters? Are they legacy characters? Knight and Squire themselves? Yeah. Uh, I actually I don't know. Well, but, now, I'm not uh, a Batman guy, but I think th- I think they're new. Didn't Grant Morrison create them? Well, that's the thing. What was it? The League of of in in the Grant Morrison story? It was all those other weird characters that then later go on to become uh, Batman Inc. You know, the Argentinian and the and the and the, the, the Japanese characters. And Night and Squire were part of that. And then from this, we talked to – I remember we talked to Cornell in San Diego and, and Connor spoke to him and Cornell said, oh, well, my, my mandate is to make this book as British as possible. And, and four issues into it, he, he did. He succeeded. You know, mission, mission accomplished. But what he'd done was – like it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me if these are legacy characters or not because it feels like it. It's, like a, it's almost like a trick. Like and there's a billion characters in this, and as you read well, through it, you're just like, according to this, I just looked him up. Knight is a legacy character himself. The original Knight appeared in 1951. This current Knight, Cyril Sheldrake, <laughs> is from 1999. That's awesome. Grant, That's a great Grant, name. <laughs> right. Grant Morrison did. Grant Morrison did create the, the current one. Right. Cyril Sheldrake. Well, so I, Bill I like, created the original one. I like the idea that it showed you that, like in the DC universe, you can go in and create some character. In a way that – and be like, oh, no, this Kiss character has been around forever. And you just sort of like insinuate them. And most people haven't been reading for 30, 40 years, so they, they don't know. And you can just do that. as opposed, You can do it wrong also. It's called a sentry. But the way that these work is a little different. And the thing is through the whole series, it's a pretty lighthearted series. It's been sort of funny and sort of sort of wacky and it required like a glossary at the back to explain to uh, us Americans what the hell they're, they're talking about. And the thing that was – and I guess this is a spoiler. If you haven't read it, it this is kind of – I guess wreck the surprise of it. But the thing with this is that 
two thirds of the way through this one, all of a sudden they drop the hammer and 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 the Joker shows up, the real Joker, because the whole thing is about uh, Jarvis Poker, the British Joker, who's who's a good guy, and everyone, you know, he's kind of a bad guy, but everyone, you know, no, he's he's it's all in good fun. He's no real harm, and everyone kind of likes him because you know all the British, this all the British superheroes in this are just sort of. They've sort of accepted their lot that they're never going to be, you know, the Justice League characters, and it's sort of the, an undercurrent of the whole series. And then, and then the Joker shows up, and he shoots another character right in the head right away, and all of a sudden everything is sucked down to ground level, and it's like the iris of the, like the focus of the camera just just sharpens up, and you're like, nope, this is the real world now. All this silly stuff, they have to deal with something real, and it was a really nice story twist. It was a really good just moment that I didn't see coming and it, and it you know pushes you off a ledge that you didn't know was behind you I guess Ron you're, you're not reading this are you okay well I think that was a gr- that was my, maybe the best moment of the week it was mm-hmm. a true holy shit moment like I I didn't read this until I saw you made the, the pick so I read it first right. and I didn't read your review I just saw that you made it the pick good and, call and uh, so I'm reading it and I turn the page you, you know you get to that moment where the Joker's up you turn the page and he's standing there with his gun and you, I, I literally went holy shit he shoots the guy in the fa- face and then yeah. you're right Cornell lulled us into this false sense of security with this series where, oh, it's a nice little wacky, charming little British book about how the British superheroes and villains are all just kind of nice. They're just sort of pale imitations of the Americans. And it's just, a bit, just a bit fun. That's all. Co- sort of commentary you. on the relationship between American comics and British comics and, and that sort of thing. We, so we go along five issues with that in our heads that this is all fun. And, and the point of this issue was that the Joker, the British Joker is dying of cancer. And so he's going to pull one last big caper. And the Knight and right. Squire are kind of letting him do it. They're kind of not getting in the way. They, they want to go out in a high note. And then in the middle of the, the caper, the real Joker shows up and shoots this other guy in the head and basically tells the British Joker that he's had enough of this guy ruining his reputation. And that's the moment where I was like, oh, he got us. And the, and the sad thing is a lot yeah. of people jumped off the book because they thought it was just like a lighthearted, you know, yes, lighthearted series of humor book. And really what he did was he set us up and he's, he's knocking us down with this with yeah this issue. and and i and i get that like i i was like it's fun but i don't feel like i need to read it i it wasn't totally but as a, as a whole piece i right now i can see and this is one of those things like with certain writers you just should learn to trust them yep. you know and and that's why i didn't get off you know but I, you know and i was having fun with it but it, like i gonna take it or leave it but but as a whole thing I was really, I was really, I, I really, obviously I made it the pick of the week. You know, like at the beginning, you've got poker and he's in the, he's in the doctor's office. And the first shot of the book is, it's this huge cinematic shot from way above this giant hospital building. And he pushes in and pushes in. Um, I'm going to talk about Broxton's art in just a second. And the Joker, and the doctor's being deadly serious. And the Joker's just making, or British Joker's making these silly jokes. And, and like, that's sort of the tone that is foreshadowed i guess because after yep. that it goes back to the lighthearted stuff and because the the doctor's completely playing it completely straight and he's like well there's all sorts of things and, and the the british joker's just making you know stupid little comments and things like that and it's it sort of it sort of foreshadows what's going to happen and and this was the issue really that not only did paul cornell sort of set us up and knock us down but jimmy broxton did too now, mm-hmm. now he's a guy who, um, from the Word Balloon podcast that John Sanders did with Paul Cornell, I learned that, that Broxton's been around for a long time. He does inking. He has other names that he does work under. But he's been around for a really long time. And, it, you know, it's pretty good. If you look at all the stuff with uh, Knight and Squire themselves, most of the issues before this, they've been pretty cartoony and not a lot of details. and like very smooth, straight lines. And then it just sort of, every time you see poker... It comes into you know, like it just is a little more detailed and a little more realistic, and then by the time the Joker shows up, you get these beautiful shots on top of uh, London Bridge, and it, it just like the tone of it just changes slightly, like all the lines around Joker's face and the way that they're drawn, 
you know, the, the gun and all of those things are, are very much more real than they had felt before. Where before it was like it was a little more technicolor. And and that worked really too. I was really impressed by by the work that, that Broxton did on this issue specifically. This was real good. I think this is again it, it's the trend now to write for the whole and, and this is sort of the series where if you're not reading the whole story, you're not gonna get the arc. I mean people who just yeah. pick this issue up are not gonna get they're not going to get the full impact of going along for five months in a certain tone and having that tone totally just evaporate. It was kind of like the record scratch or the air getting sucked out of the room. Yeah. I actually um, had the term record scratch in my review and took it out, but like it definitely was and that. It's only going to get worse because the, the guy that the Joker kills is Squire's boyfriend. So they're not going to be able to escape the reality of the situation, which is going to be very interesting. It was very, very good. I've loved this whole series. I, I've liked the co- comedic tone of it. And yeah, this no, I, I had fun with it. I, but I was, you know, like I was like, oh, that was pretty good. Like I enjoyed it, but I wasn't, I wasn't compelled to read it. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't riveted. But uh, this, this really showed me what was actually going on, and I, I was fantastic. And again, like you're right, don't go out and buy this one issue. There's just no point. Yeah, you know, so. it's the fifth of a six part series, so you're not going to get the full impact of it. And also, like, how about setting you up for being excited about a sixth part? Yes, no, I'm, I can't wait to get to the sixth. I literally said "holy shit" out loud when I turned the page because that was that's how great that moment. It was perfectly choreographed. Yeah. And Ron, we were talking last week about the page turning. Yes, and it was totally that turn the page. There's the Joker, the so, reveal, as it's called. Yes. And it was like the reveal was a little foreshadowed on the page before because you kind of saw a sleeve, and I was like, "Is that joke?" But even but then, then, I just. I'm, you, you're right, because yeah. he did such a good job of taking us out of the DCU in our heads that even then I didn't think that. I was like, oh, someone's dressed like him. Mm-hmm. Not thinking, of course, it's the Joker because he's dressed and, like the Joker. But so then, not only does the Joker show up, because that's, that's an old, old comic book trip, you know, like Joker's on the page, Punisher's on the page, whoever. Then immediately, just to, just to underline that fact, he shoots that other character in the head who we've gotten to know for the past two issues. Because you begin to think there are no consequences for these characters. Like, oh, we're right. just, just going to play around. And... and, and it was great, and it was like from an overall standpoint, like well, there wasn't a more satisfying book I read this week. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Batman and Robin twenty, I thought was another one of the great books that came out this week. It's Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason's first issue on Batman and Robin. They were the announced teams, and Paul Cornell came in for an arc before them. This is interesting because Tomasi wrote the Nightwing series, so there's a lot of history with the, the characters mm-hmm. here, and he did a really good job with that. And it's funny because as time goes on, these Batman books. You have to sort of give the writers a lot of leeway because none of them are going to be Grant Morrison as great as they are. So things will change slightly. I noticed in this issue that Tomasi wrote a Damien that was very much more like a punk yeah. kid rather than an aristocratic punk kid. I noticed that too. It actually, I didn't like that. That kind of threw me off. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, it's just not the same characterization. Mm-hmm. I, there was a scene, I think, in the uh, autopsy. Uh, um, mortuary. No, he says my uh, bad, which which I wouldn't oh. think that he would say. I actually didn't like that he was sitting there listening to like an iPod. I was like, I don't feel like he'd do that. Like he'd be reading something really snobbish, and you know. And also the the idea that Dick pulled the same disappearing stunt on Gordon was something that was established in the Morrison book that's not happening anymore. But that put that stuff aside. And Tomasi has a really good handle on these characters, especially the opening scene, which was a sort of callback to the end of his Nightwing run, which was the same scene as before where the Dick and Tim and Alfred were getting together to watch a movie, making smoothies, just sort of doing stuff families do. And in this scene, you know, Bruce steps into the middle. So now that the whole family's back together, it was a really nice way to open the series, I thought. Mm-hmm. And to take away the stuff that's not really Morrison-esque, which you just sort of have to deal with, I thought it was fantastic. I really liked it. I thought Gleason's style was a little different than he did in Green Lantern Corps, and I thought... Tomasi really knows these characters, and it was a really fun. Just little bits like Dick being really acrobatic and looking for clues, and mm-hmm. sort of overdoing stuff. He, he didn't need to like spin around on the yeah. gargoyle. That stuff was really strong. I thought, I thought it was really fun. That sort of second to last page is not quite a double page spread, but it's 
when the the man bat sort of blasts and, and the coloring has everything sort of glowing yep. with all the little bats and there's it sort of rains down and they fall. I was that was that's a really nice page. I'm looking at that right now. Like and just from everybody's standpoint, from penciler inker to to the colorist, it was it was really nice. I like the glowing effect a lot. It's cool. Yep. I don't know what's gonna happen. So it feels like a classic sort of Batman tale. But no, the, the characterizations being off threw me off just because like you know, we, like it's- it's tough though. I mean, if you read as many Batman books as I do, you realize it's just it's just you have to kind of. I know, but the, the one thing about it. Damien is that I'm enjoying his ride, his sort of development, and I don't, I don't, I don't like being pulled backwards the other way. Yeah. I don't know because again, it, like, again it's, it's really the only book that happens is when Morrison's writing him. The, yeah. Well, what's going to happen is though, is that he's going to be one of those characters that is going to start to show up more because he's popular, which is ironic because everyone hated him at first. And uh, the more people get their hands on it, the more there's going to be people who just don't have the right handle on it because it's very specific. It's very like to get it right, you've got to yeah. you've got to. He was in it. Red Robin this week. He was in Batgirl last week. I mean, he's already all over the place. It's just yeah. it was a, I would say one out of three times that he's written you know the, the way mm-hmm. he really should be. But you kind of have to just deal with that. Yeah. And you know what else was awesome this week uh, was, was say, 1950s uh, Howard Chaikin, Nick Fury in the Cuba action. I was going to say, are we done with Batman? Can we talk about the 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 awesomeness? Circle back around in the bit. So, so when I got New Avengers number nine, and first on the cover I saw Nick Fury, and I'm like, who Nick Fury? Because I, I don't know why. The, the fact that Nick Fury's been off the playing f- the board, like off yeah. the chessboard, has made me like kind of miss him. Like I get excited when I see him, and and especially like the stuff that's going on in Secret Avengers has totally had me, totally, totally had me. But I open this and I see Chaken, and I'm like, yes, Chaken, <laughs> and then Chaken in 1959. It just gets better, and then it's Diodato in the middle. Yeah, but it was Chaikin in 59 in Cuba with the adventures of Nick Fury post-war hunting down Nazis. Which was awesome. And brutally killing Nazis. Yes. Which is fine, Di- I guess. Diodato on the cover was actually why I didn't buy it. I was like, I'm not doing that. I don't think Diodato did the cover. This no, no, like, like his name. His name. Oh, his name? Oh, like yeah. Like his name. Yeah. I, was, I was like, all right, I'm going to. Haven't we been just... through this that you keep, you, you keep, you, you like want to be like, I'm done with Avengers and you're just, it's awesome and you're missing it. It's like... okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't, it's fine. I don't feel like I'm missing it. Oh, well, okay. I, I mean, I think, I mean, because it's this, this actually, I really enjoyed this issue a lot. I mean, you had the, the flashback to Fury in 1959, then to the present day with the new Avengers being a bit more proactive and, you know, breaking up something that might be happening before it can start, which was, and like chaotic, like what? What I like about this Avengers team is that they kind of trip all over each other, you know, yeah. and like they haven't really, you know, like they're, they're sitting up there watching, you know, they're watching all this equipment get unloaded and they know who's in there and they know who the villain is and they get into an argument over whether or not they should wait until they do something or strike, you know, strike first. And like, I thought that was a, it was, you know, that was a good conversation to see happen. But then of course the thing just jumps right into it and starts breaking things. But then, and then again, the, the humor continues, you know, like there are these trucks of all these equipment. And so Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and Iron Fist go to drive the trucks away and Luke can't start his truck. So he just goes out and picks it up. Like, which is, I was like, oh, that's cool. Iron Fist doesn't have a license because he's a New Yorker. Yeah, exactly. He never, he never needed one. It was like, but yeah, and then, and then it ends with a, it goes back to 1959, and it looks like we get our first taste of the Marvel movies working its way into the 616. Yeah. Because at the very end of it, Nick Fury's there drinking in Cuba, and somebody from the, who is it, from the, his handler, I guess, is coming to, you know, or whoever he works for is coming to tell him to go talk to the president because the president wants to talk about the Avengers initiative. Yeah, so, which is inevitable. It was, yeah. All that stuff was inevitably going to get moved into the comics. But, and also Mockingbird got shot in the gut, which we didn't even talk about. But I yeah. thought this was a great issue. Again. Yeah, it was good. It was a lot of, it was a lot, a lot of fun. And, and, like, and honestly, I didn't mind the Diodato art that much. It didn't bother me. I mean, it wasn't, it, it, yeah. it, it wasn't as bad as Akuna. I mean, you know, 
It wasn't I, as I, good as a two minute as what you that's mentioned. Relative. See, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's relative. <laughs> what did kind of freak me out, Connor, was when they're staking out the store, the things and things. Like that's just a photo. Yeah. That was weird. That that threw me off. But other than that, it was fine. And it was Ch- all worth it for the uh, old school shaking Cuba action. Oh, give me oh man, give me the whole issue by shaking. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. It'll sell great. <laughs> now we continue on with the infestation storyline. Now we're in Star Trek world where <laughs> Yay. Josh, did you did you I, buy this? You know what? I actually I, I started to read this, got distracted, put it down, and I forgot to finish it. But at the well, be- the- I was looking forward to it. I was like, this is nuts. <laughs> the setup for this, for this is now that the now the now the invasion has moved to the new Star Trek world, and in this issue, Kirk and Spock and Bones and three red shirts are headed off to a planet in a shuttle. Bones is getting an award for his work with the Frontier Doctors, <laughs> oh, and God. Enterprise is going off to some other planet to refuel while they're off there. So they're all alone in this shuttle, and they're going to the planet, and they get no response from their hails. There's no one. No one's responding to them at all. There's not really getting any life readings either, which is bizarre. So they land on the planet and nobody's around they they find a dead body which gives the great scene of bones you know getting his tricorder out and and scanning the body and he goes he's dead jim <laughs> cut to this zombie going raw brain <laughs> uh, basically and the basically the rest of the issue is spent running from these zombies while one by one the red shirts all die or, or fall to the zombies and it's left to kirk spock and bones to escape in the, la- in the end of the issue they're holed up in this building and they're going to figure out a way to escape because they can't get out they can't get beamed out because the enterprise is gone they're running low on materials they've only got their phasers and uh, stone knives and bearskins so it's just I, this has just been such goofy wacky fun i've been i've been loving this oh man i, I might have to go back and pick all this stuff up it just seems <laughs> so goofy i really like bones it, yeah. isn't there anything that damn it jim i don't even know what we're dealing with yet <laughs> oh. yeah, actually i thought i thought who wrote uh, it was admin yeah, yeah, no, I've been landing or doing it. Yeah, yeah Erskine was the artist who's great, and yeah. he did um, Dan Dare. And then uh, I thought the voices were really str- solid in terms of their. Three. I might need to go back and pick all these up. It's no, also Scott Tipton and David Tipton wrote it, and they did, uh, they got the voices totally down. So it's just so far it's been Star Trek, and it's been the one that's been the prologue where they didn't have any of the characters in it, right? And Transformers. And Transformers. How and was... each, each one is only two issues. Each right. each uh, was little... Transformers any good? We talked about it last week. Right? Oh right, yeah, I remember that now. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. It's been, it's been a long week. I understand. <laughs> but fun. I, it was, you know, all worth it for the he's dead, Jim. Raw. Oh, this is brilliant. Ah. It writes itself. It's great. Um, so. now, am I not the only one reading Thunder Agents now? Because I was the only I am one reading Thunder Agents. No, I am reading Thunder Agents, yeah. In, in dropping and not reading the Avengers books, I'm making an effort to read some other things. And yeah. this was one of the ones that I picked up. And it's pretty damn good. I was, I was really impressed. Thunder Agents sort of, is its best book. Nick Spencer's. Yeah. yeah, I was just really impressed by sort of the the. The structuring of everything. It's just a little off from what you expect, but also sort of classic at the same time. I, I, I really like it. And you, you throw in a little George Perez opening kind of flashback, kind of like kind of stage setting st- uh, sequence. That's a good way to start the book. Yep. Uh, in a, uh, well, the only, only way it could be better would be if it was shaken. But, um, that was last issue. Was yeah, exactly. I know. Actually, you're right. It was. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> um, I really liked the, I don't know anybody's name, but like the salesman, a young guy. Toby. He's great. That, he's great. He gave that whole speech. And then at the end, he was like, wait, did you think I like you? Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's like, no, no. Look, it worked. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the guy, like, he just, 
Oh, it was, that was fantastic. I was yeah. like, that's, that's very good. That's, and then and also, s- if you've been reading this the whole way through, then there's the twist at the end where, where he may be a bad guy, and so that's even yep. more, because uh, we've been getting to know him for four issues. Now, here's so the this, thing, I think it's strong. Here's the thing about this, though, is that like I know, like I knew of the Thunder Agents, you know, like I knew I knew of the characters, but I didn't know anything about them. I didn't read the classic stuff. I didn't know any of the history stuff. But I, I, after reading the, the Perez opener and, the, and, and just stuff like that, like I, I think it's really cool. It's a great concept. They've got like the fact that they've got this belt and the helmet and like the little like the little the key things that carry through for each character it's i mean it's this has got the makings as being something that could be really really cool yes it does it yeah. does i like it i dig it and it's, honestly i think this is one of the strongest things spencer is writing currently right now it is mm-hmm. it's yeah. def- i think it's, i mean i've been enjoying most of everything he's doing but this is his best book i think Thunder yeah. agents yeah so jump on it. it's still you know it's not too late only four issues yeah, we could totally jump on oh it. yeah totally even um, with this issue, you can basically it opens up with explaining what's happening, so you can basically get number four. I start. Know. I didn't read number one. I started two and three. Yeah, no. Each and, issue is very one and done-y, kind of. Like there's 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 something that's there's an overarching story that's happening, but they're flashing back to it's basically each issue is focused on an individual member of the Thunder Agents, and you can get the gist. Exactly. Exactly. So Justice League Generation Lost uh, continues DC's assault on its minority characters. <laughs> well, first of all, the cover was just fantastic. The, the cover uh, was amazing, s- yeah. The stark, no detail outline cover, which we've, which Paul featured in the best cover of the week feature on iFanboy. Uh, just a wonderful cover. Yeah, but, um, but so in this issue, we get a little bit of deja vu as Max Lord shoots uh, Blue Beetle in the head. He's not dead. He's not dead. You don't uh, think so? He looks pretty dead. He's not dead. <laughs> He's, Jamie Ray is one of their, you know, their 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 characters. They're pushing. He's going to be in Smallville. This, this I mean, he's going to. They you know, did that. They did that whole animatic with the with the yeah, scarab. He's, yeah. he's not dead. Look he's, at he, that wears one. A, he wears an armored suit that repairs itself. He's Look, gonna be fun. that one full page splash of the of the of the shot. Yeah. With the little Kennedy head pieces coming out like that. That was that was really that that oh. it, it got me. It got me. Like I was like, oh, ow, and then and it brings up all these Ted Cord memories yeah. and like yeah, oh yeah, it was it definitely it definitely hit on the right note. Whether or not he is dead or not, we'll see. I mean, I, I guess maybe. This is a wonderful series. I mean, we're nearing the end. We've got a couple issues left. One of the reasons why it's so emotional when it gets shot is because the other leaguers witness it through a glass yeah. window like Kirk and Spock. They can't get through. <laughs> and they, uh, that, it makes it more emotional because they've, you know, they've been coming together as a team over this. I last. do not want this series to ever end. I know. I just wish they could sort of take the generation lost bit off, move in of America, and just continue. Yeah, with. or no, just even, or just even have it uh, international. Let them let these characters exist. They're so much fun together, and it's uh, and this has been great. And this is like 19 issues of chasing Max Lord as a villain, and it, it's not getting old. You know, it's like, not. It's, what's funny is I just recently read the Justice League International Volume Five trade, which came out, which they came out in soft cover because they just they stopped doing the hard. They, covers they, yeah, they ditched the hard. They, so I committed to the hard covers and they ditched it, didn't they? So Volume Five was the beginning of Justice League Europe. I now remember why I hate Captain Adam because he was a whiny little bitch in that book. <laughs> he was all, he's not he's he's not the same character that he is now. And I was reading it going, oh, somebody punch him! Just, <laughs> remember Bart Sears? That was a great series. Yeah, that was. I actually think I bought that series when it was coming out. I didn't. Everybody had huge, huge hair. But oh man, can you imagine if Blue Beetle actually is dead? If he's dead, I'll give him credit. But there's, I, there's just no way. No, if he's dead, it's like I'm waiting for the internet masses to rise up. First the atom, and now this. But no, that's why I think he's not dead. Well, there's many reasons why I think he's dead. Anyway, all right. So now's the time that I should go. La 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 la. I'll do my best. Also, Walking Dead's kind of the same thing all the way through. That's <laughs> true. I mean, there's <laughs> not. Are their lives in danger, and then they barely escape? Wait, wait, one of them wait a minute. Are, there, are there zombies, and yeah. then someone that I care about dies? Yeah, someone gets bit. Oh shit! That's kind of how it works. <laughs> or, or somebody, or somebody. Wait, don't tell me. Or, 
or two guys that you thought were friends, one of them kills the other one. It took like it took eighty one issues for us to figure this. out. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's in. It, so what what happens is we're gonna move along and move along and move along. It's gonna be all sorts of dangerous stuff, and then we'll get to a place and it goes, hey, this is really scary, and then it's gonna be like, you know what? Actually, it's pretty good here. It's pretty safe. Hey, what's going on outside? Well, we'll be fine if crack. Oh. And so on. That's where we are now. If you've been seeing uh, the, the, it sounds like we're making fun of it, but we're not. I don't know because the thing is, it's just as compelling all the way through. Eighty-one issues in. This is a five-star book. This was almost pick of the week. Also, this is the no way out thing. They basically the, the, they all found their way into like a little town and and they uh, built. No, stop. They built walls around it. What do you think happens? It's called no way out. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, and they form some new relationships with the people there. So those people are fucking chum, and <laughs> um, and and the zombies start breaking through, and they're they're all pushing on the walls, and there's like that 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 you know sort of you know that Jurassic Park feeling that crack, he's out there, you know, like and, and there's a ton of zombies and. Someone gets laid. And there should be a scene where Rick is on top of the wall with, with one of the townspeople in his arms, and he tosses him over and says, why don't you come chum some of this shit? Jesus. <laughs> oh, that's the best cut ever. Anyway, <laughs> you know, it, it was all those things that are done well in a Walking Dead book. This story is starting to hit its stride and, and its crescendo, and they, you know, like the safety of this place is blown again, and, and everybody who felt like they had some security... You know, they can have all of their fears realized once again and screw up their psyches even further. And a couple of things happen with the sort of main characters and that, that were that were really good and, and good development. And and Andrea is like a total badass now, which is really fun. So she had a really good moment. Just a, like another really good one, like 81 issues in. And damn, you know, it's kind of amazing. Cool. Well, I'm glad that it's good and whatever. Didn't spoil it for me. Real quickly, I bought Onslaught Unleashed number one. Oh, totally. Me too. Wait. <laughs> because why not? Because <laughs> you know what we need in the Marvel Universe is another onslaught story. But uh, this is written, but but I thought it was interesting though because it was written by Sean McKeever and the art was Felipe Andrade, and the art really reminded me of like early Scotty Young. Um, yeah, early like when he did New Warriors, like before he kind of got his before Scotty Young got his groove back, but before he got the look that he's been doing now. Also, uh, what's his name? Namora, uh, I Kill Giants guy. J.M. Ken Nemora, yeah, yeah, the third. It's like, like a cross between him and Scotty Young. Um, really kinetic, really energetic, good, really good art. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and it fakes. Onslaught still Professor X? No, no. Now it's so Sean McKeever's writing it, and it picks up. It's picking up out of the Nomad story that's going on in the background of Captain America, and which I think is the precursor to what he's doing with Mike Norton now. The, the fear itself thing because this has got oh, yeah, so right. this has got Nomad and it's got Firestar and it's got Gravity and all those kind of younger characters and basically Onslaught comes back in the fo- in Nomad basically so now Nomad is Onslaught there you have fantastic. it fantastic yep there you have it but <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> Sponsor break. You can't, you can't make this stuff up. So, C2E2 is approaching. It's coming back to downtown Chicago. Uh, the, comic, the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo, or C2E2 as it's affectionately known, is going to be from March 18th to March 20th in Chicago, right after St. Patrick's Day. You can stumble along into the West Building at the McCormick Place in downtown Chicago, and they've got a much more fan-friendly layout to the show, which now every time I read, I think of Tom. And I, <laughs> the, the I had no idea. It was that dangerous. I must have missed all that last I know, week. All yeah, stuff geez. Tom was talking about, like boiling was, oil and stuff. <laughs> 
crazy. But if you are in the flyover states and you want to go to a comic book convention, C2E2 is the one that you should be going to. Um, they've got a ton of special guests coming. The, already, the ones that they've announced that we've been talking about already on the show, like Brian Michael Bendis and Adam Hughes and Ben Tubblesmith and Cliff Chang and Mahmoud Asrar and Paul Cornell and Mike Norton and Scotty Young, Scott Snyder. But they also announced a whole bunch of new ones, you know, like Matt Fraction, Joe Casada, Garth Ennis. So it's coming. It's coming together to be Ooh. a pretty a pretty good show. Yeah. Um, so go to c2e2.com and you can check out every week. They're announcing more cool stuff and more guests and things like that. So you don't want to miss out on anything. And if you order your tickets online at c2e2.com and buy them before March 14th, you can get the whole weekend access to the whole weekend for just fifty dollars, which is quite a deal for across three days. Not bad. Bill Willingham is going to be there. It's going to be crazy. So c2e2 in downtown Chicago at the McCormick Place in the West Building. Find out more at c2e2.com. And we will see you there. I fanboy will be in full for all three of us are going, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, crazy. Jimski. Jo- uh, yeah, Jimski's going. We just announced that Jimski's going. I, I got used to not going to cons with Josh last year. I know, yeah. It was real nice. Oh, I gotta... I, there was an undertone to that, jo- by jo- the way. Jo- Josh, got, Josh got a weekend pass, so it should be I'm fun. fun. I'm fun at cons. Yeah, so. Do you think we can get Ennis to come to our booth? Uh, yeah, maybe. For an interview? <laughs> he's, 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 he's not interested. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, I, I so we will be at C2E2 and we will have a booth there. So we'll be posting more information uh, as we get closer to the show. Right. Cool. So Ultimate Spider-Man number t- 153 started the whole uh, Death of Spider-Man prelude. Yeah. I love this book. Oh, it's it. fantastic. You know, you know what I loved about this book? Everything. What? Black Cat takes her wig off and she's got short dark hair. And it's, it's Catwoman. It's Catwoman. Yeah, exactly. Hot is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I like, actually, I like the way they colored the suit to make it look like a shiny leather. I mean, that was something yeah. that really stood out to me is that the, it looked like it had that texture of leather. Yeah. Um, I like that. But overall, I, like- I think this is a book that we talk about. It doesn't get the no- notice it should. Yeah. It's been 153 issues and it's still as good as it was when it started. I hope that when they're done with this whole Death of Spider-Man thing, it's still around. Like, I hope this isn't, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure it will be, but it's the best, one of the best things Marvel does. And now it's at the point where I don't even, they don't tell us who, and I don't even know who's doing what between La Fuente and Pacelli, oh, but I don't, I don't care. So. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> they're totally different styles. I don't, yeah, but I think, the, no, but like, normally, no, but like, the great Mysterio like with, and like Black with, Cat is Pacelli. Right, no, but with, Tony and, and they both, I, I, mis- I misspoke. Is. What I meant was, as opposed to in Brightest Day, when I'm kind of obsessed and I want to know what artist is doing what uh, section, I don't care anymore. It just goes, it flows. You can know I say I mean? something? Yeah. Do not misspeak anymore. Yeah. Sarah Pacelli's fucking amazing. Yes, yeah. yeah. She's, and, and don't get me wrong, I mean, that page of all the armors, like, La Fuente kills it. Yeah. But when you, like, I, I'm those Pacelli pages, I'm like, God, she's, she's good. Yep. Like, crazy good. That last page, awesome. Yep. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And I, I liked the, I liked all the Peter Tony stuff in here. Yep. This is like, put those two guys in a room and he's just doing it for his girlfriend. And he's like, I don't know, we're here. Let's just talk, whatever. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this. Great. Yeah, great stuff. Also great was Flash number nine. Yes. This is what I'm talking about with the Flash. The best this, issue in a while. This was awesome. This everything about it was perfect. Like yes. it, the art was great. This you know it's the first you know the first uh, issue of the story arc and we got you know it's it gives a good setup. We know what's what's happening. There's a you know it's working in the crime aspect. You've got the whole Flash family aspect. You got somebody from the future. There's a big reveal at the end. It's everything I want out of a Flash comic book. Perfect. And gorgeous. Yeah. It, this might this is probably my pick of the week to be honest. My pick of the week was Batgirl 18, which was an early contender for issue of the year. I'm going to put a pin in this wow. for wow. this year. Um, is this your pick you, of the week? Yes, it was my pick of the week. Last issue was the one shot with Damien. This is a one shot with Clary and the Witch Boy. Mm-hmm. 
And if you remember him at all, he's a little poncy pilgrim dressed witch boy. You know, I, I picked it up. I was gonna buy it, and then I was like, "Oh, fucking Clarion! Who's been fun before?" But I just was like, "No, nah, that's not what I wanted." Right? It was now. very funny. It was laughing I... funny at least three or four times, and just gorgeous art. They go into his world for a while. It's Dustin Gwynn's art changes from pencils to painted style, and they go back to the, it's just a wonderful one shot. So again, if you liked the one shot with Damien, or you, or you didn't even pick that one up, pick up eighteen. It's a you can you do nothing to read it. It's just a one shot story. It's fantastic. Starborn number three. I just love this series. Isn't it? It's just fantastic. So good. It's so yeah, it is, and like yeah. and with this one, I love is when they play with the art and like you that two page spread of the robots in the world as he imagined it, and then as the guy that he ripped off imagined it, and with like the distressed look on it, like the dot pitch stuff looked mm-hmm. great. I love the the addition of the like he gets a weapon with the gauntlet and like that was cool and like it's just it's good science fiction. It's good and clever it's, science it's fiction. Totally, pre- it's totally standard. Like yeah. there's nothing there's nothing being broken here, but it doesn't matter because it's really well done. So yeah. it's fun. So uh, Jason Aaron delivers again, possibly what might may, be one of the best single issues of a Wolverine story ever. I knew you were going to love this. I saw them all standing around at their, in the party in their costumes, yeah. and I was like, Ron's going to love this. This was fantastic, and the art was awesome. I love the artist. Jeff DePaulo. He really, he really gets Wolverine, yes. Jason Aaron. Yeah, he does. Um, I really like his characterization of Wolverine. This was a great issue. I love yeah. the, the bone gun, the creepy cannibals who carved guns out of bones yeah. that shot teeth. Yep. From top to bottom, this was great. Yeah, it, it was great to see all the all the various Marvel heroes. Basically, so Wolverine's girlfriend plans. Uh, she finds out she does. She's a reporter. She does some research, and she finds out Wolverine's actual birthday. So she plans a uh, surprise party, invites all of his friends, and it's just and it's wacky. And Deadpool shows Plus up. Deadpool. And, yeah, and oh, it's great. Everyone's in costume. Having, it's oh, it's, this is how the Marvel universe should be. Having a book like Wolverine be that good is like all of a sudden being like the Kings of Leon have just totally redefined rock. You know, like it just doesn't make sense. Like your indie sensibilities, like oh, Wolverine books, just the, but it's it's real good, is what I'm saying. Okay, um, that was an analogy that just fell to hell, huh? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I learned, See let, what I'm saying? Let it hang there. So Widowmaker yeah. number four. Uh, so that ended. <laughs> like it just kind of ended abruptly. Like it was just like they just drove away. <laughs> yeah. But it looks like it's gonna have some ramifications spilling into the um, Hawkeye miniseries that's coming up, the Blind Spot miniseries. I enjoyed this overall. Widowmaker, yeah. I liked quite a bit. I just, I, it was just something it, about it. I can't put my finger. Like I don't necessarily like all the characters. Like I like. Hawkeye, like Mockingbird, I like Black Widow. I don't really care about the other characters. Well, part, part of the problem I had was just the bouncing McCann, Swazinski, McCann. I mean, it, it yeah, works. Yeah, the tone it, changes wildly. Exactly, when exactly. Like, it works as a crossover, but when you make it to a miniseries, it just seemed inconsistent. Should have co-written it together. And sort yeah. of had to what was wrong it. with Alexi's mustache? Uh, what was wrong with a lot of things? It's a weird mustache. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Real quick, I just wanted to mention 27 number three. I'm really enjoying this. I liked it even more this time. He goes and he, he meets, quote-unquote, Jim Morrison. <laughs> and and they they, I just I I liked all the the numerology of it and how nicely it all sort of fits together mathematically and it's fun and I, I don't really know what's going to happen and and at first like I I know that like the mysticism of it was kind of kind of uh, strange and, and off putting but uh, it's fun I really like the interaction between the student and the guitar player I don't know anyone's name yeah I but. just I don't know does this series continue I mean I read it but it's like man I don't know it's not what I wanted it to be. <sighs> Too bad. I really liked it. I, I actually, yeah. this is my favorite issue so far. All right, you think I would love it, but I'm not. But I'm not loving it. I don't know why. Oh well. What we'll is the weird one? So go go yeah, go, go to com slash comics and you can see all the comics that came out this week and you can rate and review your books and write reviews and we'd love to hear what you think of the various comics out there and I'm gonna highlight a couple of reviews from the uh, iFan base and the first one's from Resurrection Flan 
who uh, reviewed Black Panther, Man Without Fear, number 515, and gave the story a 4 out of 5 and the art a 4 out of 5. And at the time of us recording it, less than 1% of you made it your pick of the week. In fact, 0.13% of you made it pick of the week. And Resurrection Flan says, I'm really enjoying this series. I only read two Shadowland issues, the Thunderbolts tie-in and the Electra one-shot. Either way, the first issue set up pretty much everything you need to know. This is really just a fun and entertaining street-level superhero comic. Luke Cage seems to drop in each, each issue to bust, I can't pronounce the name, Ankuo. Chops, Black Panther, and his relationship with the people in his neighborhood reminds me a lot of Ennis and Dylan's original Marvel Knights Punisher series in a good way. And that's actually really good. Um, that's a, a really good co- commentary on it. I think am I the only one reading this? Yeah, yeah but that that would sell me on it more. Well, than no, but but I think what would, what should sell you on it is Frenchies. that it, yeah, Frankaville is killing it on art killing it i mean like and this issue was probably the best issue from an art like you know how like you know how when an artist comes on a title and sometimes it takes a couple issues before they hit their stride sure mm-hmm. this was the issue where he hit a stride like and mm-hmm. I, I would almost say like you know josh go back to the store and don't buy it but flip through it and, mm-hmm. and don't just, whatever happens don't pay for well, it no, don't no, buy it I mean, do not buy it no i mean if you right. want to buy it you know i mean if, please, buy <laughs> it. it in your pants yeah. walk out don't make eye contact <laughs> but i'm just saying it, it, really good dynamic layouts really good art my only my only criticism my only problem is that for whatever reason joe carmagna is using a really small font size and like to the point where it's like i i have really good eyesight and i'm like oh that's small text so but, i like that you said that kind of thing and i have really good eyesight that's like something someone in the 50s would say like in a movie <laughs> yeah i I'm out of the way i have really good eyesight like that <laughs> but the th- but what's interesting is that that smaller patterns. that smaller font size makes it look unique like this looks like no other marvel comic i'm reading right now like it looks really you it looks like it looks very very unique and it's in its own little world and it's actually really really good i like that the like hush the Hosh reviewed uh, Little Depressed Boy, number one. That's L-I-L. Little Depressed Boy, number one. Give the story a 5 out of 5, and the art a 5 out of 5, and the pick-a-leak percentage was 3%, which is pretty high for an uh, indie book. And that might the be wrong. Says, That's a 0%. That's my mistake. What is it? No, no, one, no one voted that for the thing. 0%. All right. Yeah, I was going to say, was, 3%. I mean, they should. It's a fun <laughs> book, but yeah. No, I, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah nothing Sorry. against it. I mean, <laughs> Trying to highlight it here, but let's, you know, not, let's not... Yeah. Let's not go out of control. Yeah. All right, the Hosh says, This book is dripping with charm. We've all gone through that introverted time in our lives, and Stephen Strubble and Cinna Grace captured in a little depressed boy. It's wonderfully paced and completely familiar. If you like movies like 500 Days of Summer, you'll like this book. It should be noted that Cena Grace, the guy who, uh, who did this book, that's, uh, it's Robert Kirkman's editor. He's the guy who uh, right. keeps those things going. Yeah. And this is from Image. And it, by the way, it's not like, oh, if you like Walking Dead, read this. That's, that's no, not well, what this, we're saying. This, this was a webcomic, and, and it's been a webcomic since like 05. Steven Struble's been doing it. And Cena did, uh, did the art for it for, for some time period. Some other artists have done art for it. But now this is the webcomic making the jump to print comic. Um, it's, it's all colored. Yeah. It's black and white. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's fun. It's a, it's a fun book, but it's definitely not nothing. No zombies. It's, it's all it's music and emo and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But, but the description is really good. And I think it's, it's one of those things that people want to check out. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Seen, and seen his art. I, I was surprised. I didn't know he could draw. I was like, oh, cool. Uh, Audible.com is sponsored this episode of iFanboy. Did you guys know that? I did. Uh, it was okay. in the script. Yeah. I should hope so. Yeah. I saw I, it. I, I sold it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Audible's the place the for audio. <laughs> 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 I've been here the whole time. <laughs> so, uh, this is a nice place that banter's never gone before. Yeah. Just, just outright like, yeah, what are you fucking, it's stupid? Come on. <laughs> Audible is the place for audiobooks. You can download them to your iPod or any device. iPhone, iPad, I- as have an eye. It could possibly even go to some other uh, other devices, some devices I've never even heard of. <laughs> uh, they have over 60,000 titles across all genres. By the way, there's a thing if you, if you order all of those and download all of them, there'll be a special gift too. It has to be all 60,000. 
I don't I can't I can't back that up. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash iFanboy to sign up and, and get a free audiobook and a 14-day trial. I've been listening to an audiobook lately and it's greatly helping my exercising. But a book that I'm reading right now is Ghost Soldiers by Hampton Sides. This has nothing to do with comics, but I'm really enjoying it. Hampton Sides is a guy who did that book about Kit Carson. I think I talked about one of yep. these other one, early ones, Blood and Thunder. And so I was like, I want to read more by this guy. And he did. He, it's, a, it's a story about the guys in the Philippines in World War II who had to rescue all of the prisoners of the, uh, the, the people, the victims of the Bataan Death March. And it's something I didn't know very much about. And he tells the story great. And I'm, I'm really into it. So Ghost Soldiers is my recommendation. I feel like a guy named Hampton Sides should be writing a book about tough guys doing tough things. Oh, he does. And he does it he good. He sounds like he's a tough guy. Did you read Blood and Thunder? Listen to me, dude. Blood and Thunder. I know you told me about it. I'm not saying I have got a lot of books I haven't read. I've got I know, about I know. 13 I know. books on my stack to read. Do, do it. Do it. All right. All right. Fine. I'll make a note. I'm there not you go. A note. <laughs> <laughs> all righty then. So go to Audible. This week, this week I had, I have, I've got to edit video shows. I got the pick of the week. I got the book of the month. How is this awful confluence all happening at the same time? But awful. it's good. Seriously, well, no, it's just a lot of work. It's just a lot of work. That's all. But it could it could be worse. You could be uh, you could be selling cars. You could be on the Bataan Death March. Yeah, for you, God could, you could be a real estate agent. <laughs> you could be on the Bataan Death March. <laughs> well, hold on about real estate. It could, it could be. <laughs> oh, just give me a break. Come on, help making your own. Out. You're making your own hours. Just is what the, I'm saying. Give me the leads. It's fine. Uh, book of the month is Star Wars: The Dark Empire trilogy. That was I paused for the colon by Tom Beach, Cam Kennedy, and that other guy. Who's the other artist? I don't have the book with me. I'm not prepared. I do. It's right over there. It, uh, Ron gave me this book as a as a gift, and it was a bit of a long shot because I I knew Jim Bike Bakey Bike Bakey Bikey. Yeah, yeah. It was a weird yeah weird pronunciation. I was like I don't know how to say that. I, I could I know that you were thinking I really think that Josh will like this, but I don't know if he'll read it. But I do know he will never ever buy it. Hey, that's close. It was more. Okay. It was more. I think he should have this, and maybe if he if he gets around to reading it, he'll find out he'll enjoy it. Well, I read it. I read yeah. it very soon because yeah. it is a thing. Like, I I you know I was a Star Wars guy. We're all Star Wars we guys. It's, it's our um, religion. It's turned into a different thing now, though. Yep. And there is too much by way of extended universe. And so if you ever get into a conversation with somebody about the extended, they'll start saying all this stuff. I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. It's too much. Yeah. You know, I don't want that. Now, I've read through the Zon books. And even after that, I went a little too far. Like I read a couple of the Tales of the Rogue Squadron. And I was like, I was too, too into that. And I was like, I got to stop this. In my, yeah, my world, Chewie, Chewie never died. That, I stopped when Chewie died. That was the last yeah. book I read. I, I, read I, I probably read 20 or 30. Yeah. Oh, I, read, so I read the New Jedi Academy. I read the X. Yeah. I read the, the Rogue. Squadron book. I read. The Rogue Squadron books were great. They were. Yeah. They were awesome. There were. There was a. There was a. A high point in the mid to late nineties when the expanded universe was awesome. And this is before the the films were re released. Obviously, before the prequels. And and really, they were like Star Wars for Star Wars. Yeah. You know, like like. Well, what's funny because when this issue, because I bought this in issues when it came out. I think Ron, you did too, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. This was the first thing along with the Zon books, but really, I think it was this that was first that. When, in the '90s, when this came out, Star Wars was the thing that occasionally got showed on cable. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. Star, Star Wars was totally underground. Like that, it was, probably, it was dead by that like, point. Like I remember, so. I remember in like like my my Empire Strikes Belt buckle in 1993 was novelty. 
yeah. was like was like oh it was like retro and it was like and and like and it was embraced by the underground it was like uh, like I like a lot of like us sci-fi nerds and and things like that but also like in the in the music scene I was in it was like embraced through there but everyone else it like it was it was just something that happened and it was this phenomenon but it was not it wasn't the force it is now it was like even with uh. Lu- even, <laughs> but even with Lucasfilm like they had moved on they were doing Young Indiana Jones they yeah, were doing even other, among yeah. sci-fi people Star yeah. Trek was the thing back then yeah, it was. Totally. Star Wars was really low on the totem pole. When this came out, it was like, oh, yeah, remember how awesome Star Wars was? Oh, yeah. And then... And the Vaughn books, and this sort of exploded from there, but this was the first step in a long road that we were still on the road. I, I remember, I remember getting this book and then reading the Zon books and not believing that they existed. Like I didn't understand how they got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, so in college, I read through the Zon books, and I, I think one of my roommates or uh, the Van Neal, he'd see, so you got to read these. So I, I read through them, and and like it was like, wow, it was the same thing that Ron said. Like I was like, oh, I got that feeling back. Like I yeah. felt like, and definitely not the feeling that you got in any of the the prequels. It was, you know, like because it was, it was a movement forward, and it was it was produced mostly for the the people who were older, you know, and got not yeah. you know not not like super adult stuff, but it it wasn't regressive in the way that a lot of the stuff now has been, which is done for kids, which is you know fair play, whatever, but it's not necessarily for me. And I never really went. I read a couple of the comics, you know, like I've read some of the Star Wars ongoing, and it was okay and fine. But these, I think, because they came out when they did. I was really just surprised to see how much I was enjoying it. And it's not, it's not rocket science. It's not, you know, it's, it's written definitely in, a, in an earlier style. There's lots of exposition. Everybody's making sure to say everybody's name as much as possible. But it, it was an expansion of the world in such a way that I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Like they, they went to other worlds and they met other bounty hunters and there were a bunch of other ships and there was other Jedis and they really like, like took the ball and ran with it to an extent like I, I they like surprised me with some of the stuff. There was that one uh, Jedi that they found who was like a, like an egg shaped dude in a robot body and he has a really weird name like Yavatoga Yogos or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's nuts. And there's the crazy old, you know, lady, uh, Vima de Bona. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the Jedi lady, Viva de Boda. Just just <laughs> crazy stuff that you know you wouldn't have seen. You know you wouldn't see in a movie now. Yeah. What, what's funny? What's more. great about this book is one of the best moments of my childhood was when they bring back Boba Fett. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I didn't die in a Sarlacc. What are you, what, you, cr- yeah, what are you crazy? I, I killed it. <laughs> no, the, the best. The best thing about this book was the undefeatable commando team of Wedge and Tilly's and Lando Calrissian. Yep. <laughs> yep. You said that when you want some shit done, you said the two generals. You said the, the only dude to survive all three all three battles of the of the original yeah. trilogy. So. Hero of the Rebellion is what he is. Yep. And I like that I like that like they went they went to a it's called the Dark Empire. Like they put Luke in a dark place. Yeah, they were they like did. You you're gonna go study with the Emperor. Really? Yeah. You can do that? And I was like, No, don't do that. Like and I was thinking, No, don't do that. The real standout, though, the thing that really sold it, because all that's well and good, but the thing was, the whole time, and I talked to Connor about this, the art is fantastic. The Cam Kennedy stuff specifically, like... It is gorgeous. It's amazing, and the whole thing is colored in this almost monochromatic palette where they just sort of went with one color on each page. A lot of times, like a sickly green when it's dealing with the dark side. And it was it's such a style a, that you would not expect in this kind of book. Exactly. You would think it would be all sort of bold four colors, you know, done a different way, but it was the, almost this like this indie. It looked like a Vertigo book, is what it looked like yeah. from that time period. It was, and that part was great. Oh, you know, to hell, it's really nice. Yeah, I, I, remember, the, I remember getting that book, and at the time, it looked it looked unlike any other book I, that I was reading at the time. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah, and I could see you know a lot of kids looking at it, and you know, being you know being big comic fans, especially in the '90s at that point, and just being like, ah, yeah, 
you know. Yeah, this came out the same time as the image. I mean, this is so totally exactly. contrary yeah. to what was coming out. Huh. And we should, I mean, we should mention this is the Dark Empire trilogy collection. There's three miniseries in here. I think, you know, the first one is is the best. The second and the third are not as good for various reasons. But I think if you know, but it's still just a page the inclusion turn. of the yes, absolutely. But just the the first miniseries on the whole is just just I think it's fantastic. Yeah, and it's so this is this weird sort of stylistic thing that's going on with the art but at the same time like all the ships and all the stuff is all rendered really well you know it's the stuff you recognize and it's kind of fun i don't like the way they do lightsabers but besides that i just i had a ton of fun reading it and i, I just i plowed through it and i was like and it just gave me that feeling back and i was like that's great that's a good time i awesome. you know i missed that success yeah no totally so it was fun and it was uh it was very easy to write about too because that that art man that's the, I think it's the first time I've done a book of the month where I was like, I'm leading with the art because yeah. it's the one thing. And even when the, the other artist is not as good, but it works and they didn't try to copy. They didn't yep. try to do the same thing because that would have been that would have been a bad idea. Right. Um, other than that, they had the sort of pegged puffy pants of the period. But that's besides that, it's totally fine. Yeah. Um, Leia had silly pants. Unrelated to the book, but to Star Wars. Did you catch earlier this week when Gabe Hardman was just randomly uh, tweeting about Star Wars? Just like. No. Oh, it was great. Go back in his tweet stream. It was very funny. He had so he was he was complaining about the scene when and at the end of the Tatooine scene when they pick C three PO and R two oh, out of the sand. He's like like how that he's like that shot always looked fake and awful and I hated it. And then and then he's like he's like I like how at the end when everyone's celebrating, Akbar still just sighs and is resigned. Like he's like, <laughs> like he had some really good because he works in the movie business. So he had some really interesting yeah. kind of comments on Jedi. It was funny. Well, his the the Mon Cal. I want Mon Cal was Mon destroyed. Cal. They're fighting. You know, and they're. Also, he's yeah. He's everyone's alive. alive. Mm. I know. Yeah, he's like he just like kind of like this this relax, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, he's he's a burden. I love he's Jedi. Bird. He's like middle management skull. Jedi is Jedi is, Jedi is underrated. I think for the for oh the final sequence, the little moments the fi- that Jedi gives you, the third act, the way that the way that the third the, act is wonderfully put together. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh, I and, love the first act. I'll throw in the the Jabba scene. Like just when I've got twenty minutes to kill, I'll just throw that whole scene in. Like oh, I love that the suspense oh. when when Luke's on the on the on the plank and the the music and you know and then R two gets in place. Oh, it's great. And, and he's got and at that point Luke has Jedi pimp strut because yeah. he's totally confident. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got my robe. What's up? Yeah. We could talk about. Jedi. Now hours. I'm gonna have to watch this. I know. Fuck, that's what I'm doing right after this. <laughs> All right, cool. So go to ifanboy.com and read Josh's uh, book of the month, and I'm glad that you enjoyed your Christmas present, Josh. So yeah. Thank you. Um, Jabba Nobada. <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh, salacious crumb. I like I like when that Gamorrean guard gets scared. Yes. <laughs> They're all standing there, all being tough and everything. He drops out of the Sarlacc pit. He's like, scraping. He can't get out. He knows he's after. Can I tell you the Sar- the, Sar- the Sarlacc caretaker crying after this? Uh, not the Sarlacc. Not Sarlacc. The, the uh, Rancor. 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 Yes. Yeah, the Rancor caretaker crying has that stuck with me as a kid for years. Malakili. Yeah, Malakili. <laughs> Tales of Jabba's Palace. Yeah. Oh, so good. So, so good. Anyway, so go to ifanboy.com, read Josh's Book of the Month review. Uh, we're going to skip the emails and voicemails this week, but if you have any questions you want to write in or call in, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or call in at 1-888-FANBOYS. It's 1-888-326-2697. iFanboy, don't miss Rises from the Ashes. And on Monday, we'll have a new episode for you of the po- our other podcast that you can go subscribe to in iTunes. And this week, we're going to be talking to Dan Slott about The Amazing Spider-Man number 654.1. The big reveal of Venom, <laughs> the new Venom. So it's going to be very interesting to hear what Dan had to say about, about that. But um, it should be a good time. So go to ifanboy.com on Monday and uh, listen to Don't Miss and subscribe to it in iTunes if you haven't yet already. And I know a bunch of you haven't, and you're missing out. I'm telling you.
It's true. At ifanboy.com, you should go there because the podcasts are only part of what we do. We also spend a lot of time and effort trying to make the best comic book site on the web uh, with all sorts of interesting things, things to talk about from news to commentary to occasionally somebody spoils something really bad about Venom. <laughs> and, and you got to put that up there too as it's happening. So you can go there. You can read the Pick of the Week review and all that stuff. You can read all those user reviews. Everything is a ton of stuff there. Word Balloon podcast and great stuff. And the video show. Last week was uh, Inside DC Part 1. Great show. Very much fun. And there's another part coming up. And I get to talk to somebody I've always wanted to talk to. See, I hadn't always wanted to talk to the mad guy, but I really was happy <laughs> to talk to him. And now I was also happy to talk to the person I did always want to talk to. So Thank that was vague. That was Very vague. confusing. No, yeah. but I think, I think – and also people are going to see uh, one of my lifelong comic dreams come true in, in the second part. <laughs> Connor knows what I'm talking about, right? I do. I don't know. How, I remember almost ruining it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Oops. Good times. Don't let publishers don't let us in your office. That's the last. I'm a big time. guy. I yeah. can knock things over and I move. I didn't know. I didn't know that was important. <laughs> I didn't realize it was so flimsy. <laughs> so, like I mentioned, uh, if you have any questions, email us at contact.fanboy.com or leave a voicemail at one eight eight fanboys. People are like, did he hurt Jim Lee? He's <laughs> <laughs> very small. I didn't see him there. <laughs> I didn't do that. write us an email on iTunes for this show for the Don't Miss show for the video show please it it helps people find the show tell your friends tell your bounty hunter friends tell the ones who perhaps are chasing that no good smuggler from Corellia because she's holding a thermal detonator (laughs) that's an awful (laughs) I can't do it oh I love it so much scrape 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 you're gonna die here you know Uh, this is getting better. Instead of a big dark blur, it's just a big light blur. Boba Fett. <laughs> Where? Boba Fett. Oh, I love that scene. Worst death ever. Oh, Lando. On ah. our way. On our way. When they take off. <laughs> higher. Aim higher. <laughs> it's just the, the chaos of that scene is fantastic. It's a great it's, chaotic oh, scene. It's so yeah. good. So, so good. Did nobody, was it anybody like, hey, hey, George? Yeah. Nine Numb is a vagina. (laughs) (laughs) Look at him. Badge face, as we call them. Badge face. Uh, I still love the, the, and it's not in the movie, but it's in the Lego game. And when you play Lego uh, Star Wars and Return of the Jedi, with the the scene with every time Lando does anything and the ship goes down, (laughs) like Lando touches the controls and the ship goes like in a tailspin and then Nin Nub fixes it. And then Lando just goes to touch something again and Nin Nub just shakes his head. Like it's. (laughs) Land up drunk again. Oh, God. Orlando, you belong here amongst the clouds. Man, that was a good movie. Yes. Well, I'm going to watch it now. Do we, do we have other stuff left to talk about? No, here? I don't think. Let's just talk about Star Wars for a couple, for a little longer. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, I'm going to go watch the Jedi now. So until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. <laughs> I was trying to think of some strange voice from Star I'm Wars. I'm I, I fell out. I don't like you either. IG-88 was scary as fuck is what he was. Really? Yes. You thought he was the scariest of them all? You I never played the video game. Uh, true. No, I did play the video Yeah. Um, that one? I couldn't get past him. I had yeah. to stop. Dengar, <laughs> Dengar always freaked me out. Because he was I'm like, covered in bandages. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. he's a badass? He looks like, like he's fat. He's like, yeah. <laughs> There's that one guy what made a gas.
Zuckus. Oh, yeah. Zuckus, yeah. Zuckus right, is a yeah. gas being, and Forlom yeah. is his evil droid. Yep, yep, yep. You know who was mean? Who? Uh, EV99. Oh, yeah, that, no, the, that, yeah, the, in, in Jabba's oh. Palace, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was a bitch. She was a bitch, yeah. yeah. Shut up. <laughs> and she, was she branding droids? Yeah. 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 yeah Joyously. The, the, uh, the uh, what's his, the, the big, the big uh, droid from Star Wars got it, was getting gonk his feet droid. branded. Yeah, Gonk, yeah. Gonk. Gonk. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite, I think maybe one of my favorite, I, I, I don't think the Jawa is in there that does it, but there's a Jawa in the, in A New Hope where he says something, uh, Owen says something to him and he just throws up his arms. Wah! Yeah, yeah, what, what, too? <laughs> ah! <laughs> Did you know that they communicate by smell? I know that you guys both know that. Yes. Yeah. Pheromones. Yep. Yeah. Guys on the subway do that. <laughs> so they're Jawas then on the subway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, must be. 